Hello, my name is Ruth Pike and I will be your host for today. Welcome to the eighth installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a really great panel to discuss working from home and how to keep your team engaged and also prevent them from burning out. Before we delve a little deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around the room with some introductions. So what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do, and also what it is you're passionate about, please. I'll start with you, Phil. Yeah, sorry, Ruth, there was an uh, email interruption there, classic Don't podcast worry. style. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my name's Phil Norcross, I'm UX manager at BAM Bamboo Clothing. Um, and the real thing that I'm passionate about is making sure that our customer experience is as good as we can possibly make it. Brilliant, thank you. Dave, tell us a little bit about you. Cool, yeah, Dave Sherratt, I uh, work at Acreba Limited, uh, head of product consultancy. Uh, passion is to well to ensure our customers get the best value for what they get um, and always striving to push the product as it were, hence, hence being in product. Brilliant, <laughs> thank you. So now that I've established a little bit of context to the both of you, I'm going to move on to the topic in focus. So we're all here because we've got an interest in the topic of working from home. So I've got a number of questions to cover. So I'm going to work around the room. I'm going to pose the questions and then basically ask you what it is that you think and give you the opportunity to take to give me your take really on the situation. So I'm going to start with the first question. Um, and that was, how do you extend a company's culture to colleagues who are hired as a remote position? And how can you ensure that they feel like a crucial member of the team? Um, so let's, Phil, do you want to start us off with what your views are on that? Yeah, I, I think um, I pose this question, Dave, because I'm really interested to hear kind of other perspectives around this. Um, for me, when I first joined BAM, it was really apparent that the culture is such a crucial aspects and it really kind of stood out and joining in the kind of the middle of the lockdown period I had a day where I came in to join the company and met a load of people which was amazing and then kind of worked remotely for the for the remainder so it was a, it was a really stark kind of difference and experience so from that day it's always been in my mind to make sure that the culture kind of continues stands out that any new member of the team feels like they are a member of the team and how can we do that so for me the most important thing around the kind of culture side is just making sure that you have key people in the organization that you can talk to, email when a new member starts so that they can arrange a call. Um, and it also kind of stems from the highest position down. And what I mean by that is that, you know, from managing director level down um, here, it's a very easy approachable company. You can speak to anyone. And I found that it's really beneficial to kind of keep that culture of openness alive, whether or not it's having a structure where you kind of pre-arrange calls, where you may be lucky enough to be able to arrange a day where people kind of come together, gather and meet people and learn about the business. Um, I also feel that when you're kind of trying to make them feel like they're a member of the team, it's really ensuring that their voices are heard, whether or not that's when they join, whether it's through projects, whether it's including them, asking for their kind of opinions and expertise. Um, but I feel like it's so important to make sure that, you know, the, the people that you hire are exposed to the great things that your company are doing whilst they're sat at home. It's a very different experience, but it's um, really important to get that kind of structure in place where you can expose them into it, even if they are, you know, 
uh, the other side of the world, different parts of the UK. Um, it That's really important for me to kind of make sure the culture kind of comes across and stays alive. Yeah, definitely. And just making sure that you're approachable, like you said, if someone's got a question or a query, just making sure that they are able to get in touch with somebody. It's a, it's a big thing, isn't it? And not just mm. that I call you back and nothing happens. It's making sure that you're consistent and making them feel comfortable. And it's not just that, oh, it's only the first day. Let's make it known today. It's making sure that it's consistent maybe for ongoing. There's no no end date to that, is there? I think that's that that's that's really true and it, it's making sure that staff know that you are available you know the, the difference with remote working to you know in office can be that you can have a conversation while making a coffee whereas remote working sometimes you feel that it has to be a bit pre kind of scripted yeah. a meeting pre-booked it becomes a bit more formal yeah. so it's really keeping that kind of safe space casual kind of vibes going as well as the um available as well yeah, definitely. What experiences have you had then, Dave, with maybe onboarding in the remote situation? So, I mean, I'll take it back slightly. So, I guess, like most companies, we were fully office-based um, pre-COVID. Um, but before that, 2018 style, we set up like a US division. Um, so, it wasn't necessarily remote, but I guess they're in the US, we're in the UK, so it's, yeah. it's as close to remote. So, trying to instill culture from a UK-US was was interesting um because there's there's definitely nuances in in how the two countries uh, operate but for, for me it's to what phil said it's kind of oversharing um because you aren't grabbing a coffee and randomly talking about stuff and overhearing stuff in the office the amount of times i i've learned stuff in the past by overhearing stuff is kind of crazy where you you don't get that from from remote working because to your point it's meetings and meetings are fairly rigid um, so you, you kind of need to overshare. Um, so we sort of did at the beginning, like twice weekly company-wide updates um, to, to not necessarily share business updates, but just general how people are getting on, new hires, let them introduce themselves, let them keep talking so they, they get the coffee moment, but not in a rigid meeting way, as it, as it were. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the key bit for me, oversharing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 hard, isn't it, as well? Because when you book a Teams meeting, like you said, it's so formal and it's more so an unnatural, a natural approach to a conversation, isn't it? And I think if, say, you're making a coffee, it's a, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. What have we got on today? It's literally a 30 seconds to a minute conversation and it's done. Whereas you book it on Teams, you're on there for 15, 20, maybe sometimes half an hour. By the end of the day, you've got a full team of just catch-ups. So it's very difficult to wage draw the line. <laughs> and, and not everyone, I mean, the, the key for me is not everyone's comfortable being on video. Yeah. And, and even in face-to-face meetings, not everyone's really comfortable in a meeting talking. So it, it, it's difficult because you can't force them because that's that's their uh, that's what they're like. So you can't change them, uh, but you want them to still get involved. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, we we try to set up sort of uh, what we call the escape channel. So we use Slack for communications um, to do general interests um, like space and books and uh, not actually part of the others, but yeah, like cooking and stuff. So it's it's it, you build the culture or the the inter team communications uh, outside of pure business. Yeah. Brilliant. Phil, do you want to add anything more to that in terms of onboarding? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I really like the kind of the overshare term. You know, I've not heard that before, but I think that's a great way to summarise it. Um, 
on on boarding wise you know there's been quite a few new members of the team that have come in and yeah again it's just reiterating kind of what dave was going with but also there's another angle of when you're working remotely some people actually don't feel confident enough to actually book a call to even get to that you know formal conversation then it shouldn't be a formal thing so it's really just you know from interview onwards just kind of being honest and transparent with you know who you are what you're expecting what they will be expecting from their time here um but super important just to be totally approachable as i said before and available if they need it yeah definitely from your experience this is just a query and when you're taking on say permanent member of staff compared to contractors say do you think it's a lot easier to um for contractors just get up and go or do you still go through the same process uh you know what honestly i've, I've not um employed any kind of contractors whilst working here it's all been yeah. the aim for permanent members of staff so yeah. um i can't necessarily comment if it would be different i know there are big differences yeah it's a mentality you know, of a contractor in a way though isn't it they just want to get the job done yeah i was just waiting to say i was just seeing what you're going to yeah. say but um but for me yeah it, it's a case of you know looking for the, the way to keep the culture alive and when you're looking for permanent members of staff is the you know the soft skills as well um you know get, getting the right people in that will the the main thing for me is you obviously need to employ people that will be able to do what you want them to be able to do um but you need people to come in that fit in really well, you know, that you could not necessarily grab a beer with, but you could have an easy conversation with them and you can instantly tell the type of candidates that you get. You normally have that kind of wildcard star that really shines in the area where they've got they've got the, you know, they've got the skills, but they've really got the culture of, you know, of everyone else that's in your company and you can see them being a really great fit in there and then the hard skills they, they kind of come with the experience you know you can always build on those if if, if you have the soft skills um it, it becomes you know the culture can kind of stay stay from there so it's a balance yeah, really definitely i mean I def- even without remote working i think skills are part of it i mean we've hired some very very talented people over the years that culturally just didn't work and it caused so many issues beyond just them executing to, mm. to, to that team output to, to other teams it, it changes and it can very badly change the dynamic of a company um so i i think if you've got the, the don't get me wrong everyone wants really skilled hired people but it's they're not always they're not always the best it's sometimes mm-hmm. better to train them internally um, and have to your point the soft skills um because then they build with you and they, they feel more about the team, especially if you get juniors and or grads and rise them up. Um, they're much more endeared to the company, as it were. Yeah, it's definitely a, um, something that it's got more a lot more attention recently is making sure that the culture fits more so than the skills. And I think it's a really good thing for people to open their eyes to and actually look more into what type of person and how will they benefit the team instead of just looking at a black and white CV to figure out, okay, yeah, they will fit. It's just not necessarily the, what it means. Um, okay, so I'm going to go on to the next one and it's all about being awarded. So how do you ensure cross-team and individual recognition is awarded for great work done while operating remotely? Who would like to start us off on that one i mean i guess it's my question so i'll, I'll say what <laughs> we did and then i'll get yeah. input. um so again we use slack for communication so we brought we have sort of monthly um person of the month style things we did that pre pre-remote work pre-covid whatever we're going to call it these days yeah. <laughs> um but one of the one of the biggest things we had was there's there's stuff that you do daily 
it's not always above and beyond, but you just you help out. So we brought in sort of what we call kudos. Um, so you can just just help them out for five minutes or anything, and you, you shout that out um, so that the person gets recognised. And it's I, I used to do it before, and it used to be like virtual cookies. It's it's that style thing. Like I'm, you're not going to get bloody bonus or stuff like that, but you you get the recognition for a minor job well done, and then for the large parts, people are normally recognised for large inputs. But it's it's the small stuff that not everyone can do the most amazing things. But it, it's the small things that actually add to the back to the previous point to the culture. Um, it makes everyone feel part of the team. Definitely, yeah. What have you, what have you uh, maybe used in the past, Phil, to recognise quick wins or small, large wins? Yeah, I mean, firstly, Dave, I love the idea of the kudos thing. I think that's great. Um, I think it for me, there's kind of there's there's two parts to it. One is a you know, if you're a direct line manager or a head of department, um, it's making sure that you generally offer praise to people. You know, you're you're asking them to do a thing and they do it really well. So it's your responsibility to tell them that they've done a really good job. You know great job guys and I always make sure that I tell my team that when they're delivering um I also think it's good I'm going to sound a bit of a broken record here but again being feeling like you can approach any kind of level within the organization and communicate out the great things just be a be an advocate for your team you know <laughs> be humble be an advocate for their team and their successes um and don't be afraid to communicate it out to people you know email them it on a very basic form having different group email addresses that you can communicate out the great stuff that your team's doing um not to be kind of show offy but just to really just bring in awareness of the things we, we all work on different things in an organization but for me the crucial things that we're doing here at the moment um is doing that you know having email addresses grouping email addresses that we can communicate out information we have um a more recent slightly more formal way but you know a marketing email that goes out weekly to show share kind of the individual team's output of that week you know what's gone live what worked well um social have done this are you aware of this it's kind of and people browse through it and they kind of start to you know we're not expecting a hundred responses every week but if one person gets back um and goes you know what that was a great thing i've learned something and well done that's a great thing so it, it i think it just needs to be simple however you play it just let people know um and hopefully they'll do the same back because we're all in the same position yeah definitely do you think if you're sending out like if you if you um flip it over for people say that maybe aren't doing too well and how do you how do you deal with people that aren't doing too well that might be seeing like the leaderboards and certain things on a weekly basis, say for marketing? How do you then involve them and make 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 them okay? This is what we can do to to get you on like the achievers list or, or something of that sort. I mean that's it's a difficult one because like, like that's why I don't really like the word achievers because it's yeah it, it's it's normally ranked on something and it's a rank that's why I prefer the kudos because you can make a cup of tea and get kudos for it I mean it's it's there's yeah. no it's not necessarily ranked to achievement um okay, achievement to me is more sales based and it's more hard hard numbers that you've got to hit and if you don't hit them and I've, I've only ever been software so I'm not really been on that side but for, for me if they're not performing that's a different conversation um whereas if if you allow everybody to get recognition even like the the juniors will still get recognition because it's it's not just the the top achievers it's it's any output is good output okay. um it, it it depends on the industry i mean i'm, I'm software so it's slightly different to others but yeah i think it's software anybody can get uh achievement as it were yeah 
Brilliant. Nice. Okay. Would anyone like to add anything more in terms of recognition? Um, no, I think it's just echoing what Dave said, really. It's just yeah. giving everyone an opportunity to shine, you know, when they've done that great thing. You know, everybody does whatever level. So it's just, you know, really advocate for the people that you work with um, and be humble. Yeah. Brilliant. So I'll move on to um, another question, which are, what are the problems to watch out for across remote working teams? So, um, Phil, I'll, I'll start off with yourself with that. Yeah, problems or challenges. Um, yeah. I'm going to change it to challenges because challenges, I, I think for, for me, um, I'm going to go down a slightly different angle to where I think it might go. But the thing that I've noticed that can be a challenge, because I, I don't have the time zone challenge. You know, yeah. I'm not working it with with people in the USA or, or wherever. So we're, we're all UK based. Um, the challenge that I can find personally is knowing if someone's OK or not, um, whether it's, you know, is something going on at home? Are, are they mentally OK? Uh, it's quite difficult to find the signs earlier on compared to maybe when you're in an office because someone might be really quiet that day and you can go, hey, let's have a quick chat. Are you okay? So for me, that's a challenge that I found. And again, just uh, whether or not you have a one-on-one catch-up um, weekly, monthly with a team member, but just again, asking the non-work-related questions, is everything okay at home? We're humans, you know, we're not just machines. So are you okay? Can I help? You know, what do you need me to do? Are you happy? Or do you need to reset and rewind? You know, is everything okay? Um, um, besides that, it can just be a case of um, not really a huge challenge, but just ensuring people are, you know, and this is office based as well, really, just making sure that they're all on the same page, you know, working on the same thing and trying to get to the same places. Um, it it can, can be slightly harder to pick up on remotely. But again, you know, that's down to me as well. So it's, um, they're the two challenges that I've kind of face so far yeah and it's also down to the individual isn't it because i think dave you said earlier about some people don't like to be on video um so some people don't really want to speak or when you call them on a video they might not want to answer because they just don't feel comfortable communicating that way so it, it is very tricky um but obviously it's one of those as long as you're doing as many steps as you can then i'm sure at some point they will feel supported for sure um in terms of you, Dave, have you come across any challenges? I'll use challenges. <laughs> I mean, I guess further carrying on to Phil's point, it's I've always found it useful to to remember what they've told you and, and sort of pick up on it. So if, if they go into I don't know, a festival in two weeks, you sort of remember that and then ask them about it afterwards, because then you've got, got common ground, but you've got some point to your point isn't isn't work related, but you're showing you are a person and I do care about what you're doing. Um, rather than just if you're asking what you're doing this weekend and what you did this weekend it's a bit of a cliche and it's and it's also some people don't have stuff to do at weekends so it's always a bit not, mm. not uncomfortable but it's always a bit like for, for the people that who are open and talk about it generally you're not worried about them but for the people who aren't I'm not saying they don't have social lives that's, that's what I'm saying but they potentially don't so the little things they're doing or I don't know, is their cat okay is their dog okay um, is their kid okay that sort of stuff um, remembering that and, and bringing up on it um, but us specifically, remote working teams, it, it's more cross-team dynamics we found uh, the largest, not problem, uh, uh, how do I word it, there's not a problem, um, working towards to get better, as it were. Because obviously, yeah, we've got the, we've got the time zone. We've also got, I mean, we're agile-based, so we've got team-based daily catch-ups, and they work fairly well, but cross-team communications. Um, I mean, it's a problem in office, because typically you're sat by your team anyway. 
but it's, it's just exacerbated when you're remote. Um, and I think for, during early COVID, it was sort of inundated with just meetings 24-7. I um, mean, that's not sustainable. I mean, it's depending on your job. I mean, I basically live in meetings, but other people have to actually do stuff. Um, so they can't be in meetings. And, and some people just don't like being in meetings. So, yeah, cross-team and working on it. To be perfectly honest, we haven't found a greater solution. Um, now we're sort of in a hybrid working style. It's potentially easier because you get not necessarily the entire team, but you'll meet certain people from that team and then they sort of spread the message by Chinese whispers. Um, that sort of works quite well. And, and that works for meetings as well because you'll have one or two members of that team. They'll find out the information and you hope they spread it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 not. We haven't found a perfect solution. To it. Yeah, I think it's trial. It's it's trial. It's trial and error at at this point, isn't it? Um, and it's in terms of the hybrid working. It's are we going to keep this way of working, or are we just going to go back to working in the office? Do we need to go that far into finding out what it is that we need to do, because it is going to go back to the original state. So it's quite a difficult one, isn't it? I, well, again, software. I don't think you could go back to full office-based because mm. the, the market shifted so much. Even rec- even the mucks we're hiring at the moment, demanding X days in the office, we have pushback because engineers have, have gotten used to being working from home. I mean, don't worry, I love working from home. I was in the office today, but I walked home this afternoon. It's a great, mm. I, I like the both dynamics, but some engineers do not want to work in an office and they, they can leave you and find jobs that don't. So again, software, but I, I can't see a sustainable software company ever doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world has changed and it's it took 10 years less than I thought it did. Um, but I can't, can't see it being possible, to be honest. No. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, Dave. I think um, I too am really enjoying the kind of the hybrid. You know, we're, we're mainly in, you know, one, once a week, I try and get the team in. Um, but for me it's a you know it's a it's a two three hour commute each way on the train I, I enjoy it you know but it's great to come in meet the team have that flexibility but also you know have the benefits of you know being near your family and being able to enjoy what's on your footsteps and I think a lot of people kind of are having their cake and eating it now you know you can live where you want to live in these incredible areas and work for incredible companies that you wouldn't have been able to do two three years ago that is now an expected thing so if you do push back to such a degree, you're, you're totally right. People are going to kind of say, well, OK, we'll just go there then. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to give it to us. So, yeah, the thing that surprised me the most and is is obviously we used to pay to get to work. I mean, unless you're going to a, a different office, that not your norm. You paid. You, the company didn't pay. I mean, there's exceptions, but most companies you paid. I've had people that now like, well, I get the train there. <laughs> I'm like turning up to the office. No. <laughs> um, but that's how much the sh- it shifted they forgot they used to pay and it's it's i get it but at the same time it, it blew my mind slightly when I, I got i got asked that question i was like yeah no <laughs> and also with the price of petrol if you got to drive the way oh. do you need another wage for that <laughs> well and trains trains aren't any cheaper so yeah, any, really? any see i'm north but northern so I, we don't really utilize trains too much but yeah, it's not too bad. So in terms of um, when Dave mentioned about if you were in 24 out of 24-7, you're in meetings all the time, it's not sustainable. I've got a little question in regards to monitoring people's workloads in your team when you're working remote, because it is so easy just to say, yeah, I'll just keep on working through my lunch and I'll keep on working to just till eight o'clock just to get it finished. How is it that you monitor your team so that they are not to, to prevent them from burning out? 
Who wants to go? Flip a coin. Uh, <laughs> Phil, I do mean, you want to start? For, for me, when I first joined, it was very clear that, you know, you, you don't work past five o'clock. You, yeah. you know, we, we are not a company that expects you to be burning the midnight oil. And I think there are always going to be situations where you have projects that need to be done, you know, um, for certain times, you may be busier than other times. I think as long as it, again, broken records, it goes down from the top and you, you've got buy-in yeah. from every level and they sign off at a certain time and you can see them signing off. I think it's when the, when the, when certain companies, well, we used to, you know, office-based 10 years ago, mm-hmm. most people would be there till eight, nine o'clock at night. And that was the norm. That was the standard of working. I think if you if you can really um, visibly show people that you're shutting down, you know, you're working hard, you're working smarter, you know, you're getting stuff done, but you're smartly doing it. Um, it's just communicating out and just saying, you know, I don't expect you to be working till 11 or 12 at night. Turn your machine off, come back in refreshed. A lot of the time, the challenges can be overcome by actually getting away from your computer and coming back the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to add anything onto that, Dave, or any anything with any experience that you've basically had with that? I mean, I mean, I did two phases. So, I mean, I, the first one is we we started very. Uh, the founder was spent a lot of time in Japan, so we were part Japanese culture at the beginning. And I don't know how much you know about Japanese culture, but their culture is you be in the office and you're in the office sixteen hours a day. You not, may not be working, uh, but you're in the office, and that was a, a very very strange experience for. I was in my twenties then. For me. That was not my ever expected output. Um, but the, for me, remote working, nine to five is gone. It's, it's disappeared. You, you work around your life and then what you want to do. If you need to forget the kids, if you've got a doctor's appointment, if you want to go for a three hour walk in the afternoon, to me, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting your work done. So we don't have the five shut off. It's these are your tasks. If you want to do it on a, on a Saturday and a Sunday, as long as it doesn't need other people, that's that's your choice. Um, so the, the time there's never I don't want to track time that way it's more are you overloaded and typically the same people are always overloaded unfortunately um, and some of them they enjoy being overloaded and that's I think that's just who they are as a person like if they weren't that they'd actually get not depressed but they wouldn't enjoy their work so that you need to you need to watch but you need to you can't control it um, it's it's the people who are overwhelmed um, potentially with tasks or they're not quite understanding it so you, you need to have a culture that I mean no one's a moron so just ask the questions everyone's had issues in their career experts CEOs everybody's had problems they need to ask questions for sorry my dog is sneezing in the background um, <laughs> and it's it's just making sure that they're, they're comfortable um, and that's that, I guess that's my key bit yeah definitely it is difficult isn't it but I, th- I think everyone has got different ways of working and I recently did a poll about um obviously KPIs have gone and there used to be a, a massive thing is like people had KPIs and that's what you had to hit um and it's just nice to see that most people are now switching from it's not the it's not um the activity but it's the output it's the outcome that happens it, it's not it, you don't have to do a set amount of things and your KPIs aren't there but it's focusing on that output instead of the hours that you're working to put into it and I just think that it's given people a really better chance to work with people that may not have been able to work in the past and now able to get back into work because of this more flexible work and working pattern and I do I think it's so much better for a lot of people yeah I think it's kind of you know it's a era of trust now isn't it you know yeah. we're, we're expected we're adults 
you know, we're being treated like it and it's, it's really refreshing. I think the, the other thing as well is that when you've worked for members of your team for a while, you start to understand the output that they can comfortably, you know, output, you know, week in, week out from sprint work or retrospectives, or you can, you start to understand and gauge a level of, you know, realism um, about what your team can ultimately deliver per, mm-hmm. per week, per month. So it becomes, you know, once they're settled in, it's, um, it just becomes quite, quite a, a good thing to track. Um, it becomes more comfortable and easier to kind of understand. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. And Dave, would you want to add anything more onto that? Yeah, I think that's that's a good <laughs> summary for that. I think Phil's done that well, yeah. Brilliant. Well, what I want to ask you both as well to finish off the podcast is what advice would you give to somebody that is currently um, challenged in, in basically dealing with their team working from home at the moment? What would your best advice be to those people? Start with Dave, go for it. So what, individual team lead? So it's someone who's got a team who are all working remote and maybe having challenges from that. What would your best advice be? I mean, there's there's so many, either in that company, there'll be so many other people who've had that issue or, or going yeah. through that issue. Or if not, I mean, LinkedIn's basically turned to Facebook these days. But yeah. um, <laughs> there, are, there are so many other avenues that you can join and communities to get advice. Because yeah. every team and sector is slightly nuanced. Um, so I would go to subject matter experts in where they are and, and get advice because they aren't the first person to have this issue and they definitely won't be the last. Um, and, and just get learnings from other people. Because even if you think you're an expert, you're not for one. So you, no one can not learn. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's good advice even if you think t- your team's being run well. Um, seek advice from, from other people and especially other industries um, because you can you can adapt them or, or even just get an understanding for how other companies and, and industries work and try and apply it or partly apply it to, to how you work. Yeah, brilliant. Phil, what would you say? And it could it could also be a challenge that members of your team aren't really aware of, right? It could be something that um, you need, you just generally need to voice it, be honest, <laughs> um, have a conversation around it. What is that thing that you're finding challenging? Do people know it's occurring? Um, is it just on your shoulders? Are you bottling up? Can you? Is there anyone else in your company that you could talk to? Like kind of Dave said, um, I like the angle of kind of using LinkedIn to speak to kind of experts in their field. But from my angle, it would be, you know, first thing is talk about it. You know, yeah. who, who do you need to approach? Is it is it your actual team? Are you struggling with personalities? Are you struggling with, you know, fits? Are you, you know, what's the challenge? But if it can be resolved just by that group call or you know, uh, let's meet up and have a chat and have a coffee and this is how I'm feeling or, you know, I start there. And if that, if the challenge is bigger, then yeah, you've got other other avenues to go down. Yeah, definitely. Communication is key. I think that in all walks of life. <laughs> really is, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, if we we'll end it on a high note then. Um, so I just want to take this time to thank you both for taking the time to come to speak to me and providing all your insights on the topic in question. And for everyone listening, that it, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast.